Welcome. Welcome to Crime Cults and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. I'm Bryn. And, and this is our podcast. Yeah, today we actually have some things to start it off with. Usually we are at a loss for words, but yeah. we got it going on today. I just want to start off by saying we're recording in a 100 degree room. We're basically doing hot yoga. It's a sauna. <laughs> it's a sauna. We're losing a lot of water we weight. We have back sweat. <laughs> I feel like a tomato. My and face have, looks so red. We have the window open too, but the problem is it's letting all the bugs in because it's nine thirty at night. Yeah, I might have to pause while a stink bug <laughs> dive bombs me from across the room. You'll probably hear a couple screams this episode. <laughs> Do you want to start off? Sure. So the first thing I was going to bring up today is something that happened this morning by my work. Uh oh. There was FBI agents and. DOL agents in what? front of a business by my work today. What? Surrounding the place. What happened? I don't know, but instantly in my mind, I don't know if it's just because we just this past Friday released a case that had to do with this or if I'm <laughs> my intuition is on point, but instantly I'm thinking, okay, this has something to do with either fraud um uh, why can't I think of the word right now? Laundering. Embe- um, embezzling. embezzling. Or money laundering. That's what I instantly went to. Because it was a business? Yeah. Ooh. And it had to do, it's a business that has to do with, like, uh, policies and people's money and... Oh my god, it was a front! Yeah, <laughs> it was, and the weird thing is, I was like, me and Timo's mom were talking about it today and we were both like... You, we never really see people there. Oh, my God. Like, nobody ever goes in. <laughs> nobody ever comes out. Like, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. It's a long And then front. today, as I was leaving work, the whole lot is full of cars. And I'm like, okay, are these more agents and stuff that had to, like, come to this place? Or are these people having to clean their shit out? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's I'm like, insane. this is strange. That's insane. Or I might just be in a true crime mindset and jumping to conclusions and really, like, nothing happened. Oh, but my God. there were FBI agents and DOL agents there with the jackets on and everything. Really? They have the FBI jackets? Well, I didn't Should've see Should have been like, the- can I take a picture of you? <laughs> I didn't see the FBI jackets, but I saw pictures of the DOL jackets. Why aren't we in a profession that involves crime? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've said that to Timo so many times. I'm like, you know, I really should have been, like, the BAU or something. Right? Yeah. Oh, that would have been so cool. Yeah. And my second story was, as I I was leaving and driving here today I literally saw a bird shit on my window as it happened ew that's good luck <laughs> my windshield it like right off. just a big swap yeah and I'm like oh okay that's yeah. nice yeah that's good luck though I've heard hopefully yeah I haven't really had much going on work has been crazy because all the crazies are coming out for summer um, so literally it's like poison ivy tick bite poison ivy I cut myself with a knife poison. <laughs> Chopping up the watermelon. Yeah. Some guy the other day came in with, um, he dropped an entire wheel, I can't ever say this word, wheel barrel <laughs> full of like cement on his foot. And he's like, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. The cement My- was hardened or still wet? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. He didn't have cement on him. So maybe it was hard or like bricks or something. Oh, I don't know. So, he's like, it's just throbbing, but, like, I think you just need to drain the blood. So, I'm like, okay. So, I look at it. His toe, his big toe, is, like, three times the size of what it should have been. Okay. So, it was definitely hardened cement. (laughs) It was so gross. And I, he's like, just drain it. So, I drained probably, like, three vials of blood from this man's toe. Oh, God. Yeah. I was like, there's, he's like, there's still more coming. I was like, there's a lot of blood in here. Yes, you should not have waited for it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Common sense, people. Right? But speaking of ticks, so Carson wakes up last night at like 4 a.m. I heard him like get out of bed, whatever. I thought he was like peeing. He comes back in and he's like, weirdest thing. I just like woke up, but I was in the bathroom when I woke up and I was holding a tick in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? He's like... I don't remember walking to the bathroom, but I remember a tick being in my hand as I look down. Ew. It's like, that's disgusting. So now I'm, like, freaking out thinking there's, like, ticks crawling in the bed. I wonder if he just felt it crawling on him and grabbed it or if he actually pulled it out of his skin. That's what I asked. I was like, was it in you? <laughs> He's like, I have no idea. We need to know this information. <laughs> 
I was like, was it engorged? Did He's he like, do no. his groggy little grandpa walk? Yeah, I back into the room. <laughs> I wonder. And, I, and then I looked outside and it was starting to get light out. I'm like, what is going on right now? I'm so confused. But I, he said it wasn't engorged and he smashed it and it's fine. Yeah. So. But just because yeah. it wasn't engorged doesn't mean maybe it had just been in his skin. Well, it does. You can't get Lyme transmitted that quickly. Cause like it has to be yeah, but I'm I'm still wondering if it was if like it was embedded or not. I know. Yeah, he said he felt it on his neck, so I think he felt it crawling. Crawling, I don't know. Yeah. But and then I felt like I had ticks crawling all over the bed. Ugh. Just a side note: go check yourself for ticks. Yeah, Timo had one on him yesterday as tis well. Tis the fucking season for right. ticks. Right. Ew, there's a lot of bugs in here right now. <laughs> I feel like we're gonna dive bomb us. <laughs> but the window being open isn't not making it much cooler. No, I mean I feel like I'm in like. I'm sweating a cage of butterflies, but not butterflies. Right, just creepy bugs. Alrighty, so let's get into our coffee review for today. Yeah, you want to talk about it? Sure, sorry for the crinkling of the bag, everybody. (laughs) So today we are reviewing Grounds and Hounds Coffee Company. So cute. Yes, and this was gifted to us by Ashley again. Thank you, Ash. Thanks, Ash. You always have our backs (laughs) with the coffee. Yep. This, uh... Flavor, I guess you want to call it today, yeah. is Sunny Spot, and there's notes of dark chocolate, hazelnut, and vanilla bean. Mm. It's a cold brew blend, and it's a dark roast. We have it in whole beans. We had to grind them down, yeah, which is nice because it's definitely a fresh coffee, even though it's been sitting for probably like it's a nice. month waiting for review. Yeah, it's nice when you can grind it down at home. It's like a lot nicer to have that option than it just be like ground already and the flavor i feel like the flavor kind of gets lost over time yeah having it whole bean kind of keeps it in longer yeah yeah but um (laughs) we had a pause side note we had a pause for a second because the last like 10 seconds of our thing was screaming my throat hurts so bad (laughs) and it was a little too loud for you guys to hear so we had to cut that but yeah full disclosure the windows closed I, We're I got overheating. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, back to the coffee. So this is just a little blurb that they had on the back of their bag, which I thought was really cute. And it says, how this brew benefits rescue. 20% of all profits generated by this bag of coffee are used to, find, to fund life-saving animal rescue initiatives nationwide. By funding programs ranging from food subsidies to microchipping, we work to ensure that the impact of your purchase makes a tangible difference for a pup in need. Love it! It says every cup helps a pup. So cute. I love that. So, so sweet. Yeah. And if you go to their Instagram, Grounds and Hounds, there are so many cute pictures of so (laughs) many cute pups with their cups of coffee next to them, and they're just adorable. I love that. Yeah, and their website is groundsandhoundscoffee.com. So go ahead and check them out on either their website. They also have a Pinterest and a Twitter and an Instagram, but you can look those up on your own. Yeah, so how would you like to describe today's coffee? Let me grab my cup again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I immediately taste um the dark like nature of it and the the dark chocolate in it Mm -hmm. but then immediately the aftertaste for me is like the vanilla bean like that like sticks like on my tongue yeah Yeah. the aftertaste for me is the vanilla bean and I taste the hazelnut as well Mm. but I it it's more so it's a good balance though. yeah definitely but you can tell that it's a dark roast Mm -hmm. but it is good for a dark roast in our eyes yeah it's definitely you could definitely taste like a little bit of bitterness just from like the bittersweet chocolate and the dark dark roast of it Mm -hmm. but i think it's a good balance between bitter and sweet yeah definitely i like it yeah what would you rate it i would rate this a seven yeah i'd probably give this one a seven as well awesome yeah so thank you ashley yeah thanks ash we appreciate it so we ready to get into it for today yes all right so grab your coffee and have a morning with us so before we get into today's episode i want to give a full disclosure with a trigger warning this episode is very very graphic but in order to fully talk about this case We had to tell all the details. Yes, it was needed, but it is very graphic. Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't like that kind of stuff or can't bear to listen to it, 
maybe this, today's episode isn't the one for you. Yes. So. Fair warning. Yeah. That was your trigger warning, and now I'm going to get started, so if you don't like it, turn it off. Yes. So, today's case is about Beth Doe. She was officially known as incident number N327244. Around her time of death, she was about 15 years old when this is happening. And the case is going to start December 20th, 1976, Around 4.30 p.m., 14-year-old Kenneth Jumper Jr. was playing along Lehigh River when he discovered the remains of a woman in three suitcases. The suitcases were thrown over the side of the Interstate 80 Bridge in East Side Borough near Whitehaven, PA, on the Carbon-Luzerne County line. And it's believed that the suitcases had been thrown out of a vehicle traveling west. Mm-hmm. So, this boy found one suitcase on the riverbank and the other two in the woods. Wow. None had made it into the river as the driver probably intended. Because, Thankfully. Yeah. Um, who knows if they would have ever been found if they did. Yeah. And two of the suitcases were striped with red, blue, and white. And then the other one was tan with a plaid design on it. And there's actually drawings that were recreated of these that we can post along with this episode so you yeah. can kind of picture what what was found yeah and they were made of a vinyl material and were all about the same size they had been spray painted black at some point and their handles had been severed hmm. so i just think it's crazy that like obviously it was like an overpass type of thing and he mm-hmm. whoever this person was that threw the bags over Missed the river completely. Like, thank God. Yeah. I wonder if they got out, though, and tossed them because... Yeah, how are you doing it when you drive? Yeah. Yeah. And especially if... I I mean, you're going to find out anyway. There's obviously a body in these suitcases, right? Mm -hmm. How do you lift that while driving a car? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Really strange. So, two of the suitcases actually had opened... Assuming from the fall from, Mm -hmm. like, the top of the bridge. Um, And the suitcases that had opened had the victim's head in it. And the other one had two halves of the torso of the victim with an unborn fetus. And the fetus was actually nine months old. Um, They discovered later. full term. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually read somewhere that the baby was cut from the victim. Oh, my God. That's so disgusting. Yeah. So... It's not one, but two victims in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, the one suitcase that actually had her limbs were, um, it remained closed. So that one was not part of the two that were opened. Mm-hmm. The authority said that the victim had been dismembered 24 hours before the discovery of the suitcase. They also said that while the cuts were made, the cuts that were made on the body were not to the knowledge of like a surgeon, but the person knew what he or she was doing when he made the cuts to dismember the body. So it wasn't, like, haphazardly done, like yeah. it, but it wasn't it was, like a doctor did them. Right. It was, like, more tedious than mm. something rushed, I guess. Um, other evidence was collected from the suitcase, and that was straw, packing foam, a bedspread that was waterlogged, and fragments of newspaper that had been used to wrap the parts of the body. Ugh. Some body parts were wrapped in newspaper and some were wrapped in a chenille blanket. And actually the blanket was like a bedspread and it was reddish orange in color with yellow and pink embroidered flowers. So this person just grabbed whatever was there, clearly. Mm -hmm. The newspaper that actually was found in the suitcases with the victim um, was determined to be the New York Sunday, which is a newspaper company, from September 26th, 1976. Um, and this newspaper company is linked to the northern part of New Jersey. Mm. So, that was the body being found. Now we'll move on to the autopsy. Um, the identified bodies were removed by authorities and transported in plastic bags to the nearby Naddenhuton Hospital for examination. So, I said bodies because, remember, it was the victim and her unborn baby. Three-hour autopsy was done on December 23rd of 1976. It was determined that she had been sexually assaulted, strangled, and shot in the throat before dismemberment. Oh, my God, poor girl. It's horrible. Like, just reading this, I can't even imagine what she went through. Yeah. 
She was dismembered with a serrated blade, and the gunshot wound was determined to be post-mortem. Mm. That's insane. So, her breasts, nose, and ears were removed from her body, and they were actually never found. That is horrifying. Which is so disturbing and degrading, and clearly, this whoever did this to her had some like some kind of like malicious intent sexually or towards women or something like that. It seemed to me like it was a control thing for the person mm. that did it. Mm-hmm. Like these are mine, I'm claiming them as mine and this is what I'm taking from mm-hmm. this person. Yeah. So it was determined that she died between December 13th and 19th, 1976. And Beth Doe was determined to be a Caucasian woman in her late teens or early 20s. That's what they were just gauging. Yeah. And it was said that she was between 4 feet 11 inches and 5 feet 4 inches tall, which is a pretty big gap, but I guess with rigor mortis and possible water lot or not water logging, but just everything being (sighs) dismembered. Dismembered. Yeah. Yeah. Um... It was kind of hard You're to gonna tell. You're going to be off a few yeah. inches. Yeah. So she weighed 140 to 150 pounds due to her pregnancy. Her hair was shoulder length and brown, and they also figured out that she was blood type O. She had some distinctive markings from what they could tell. Mm-hmm. There, were, there was a two to six inch scar above one of her heels two moles on her face, and I had read in one article that one was above her left eye and one was on her left cheek, but they thought that they could have developed during her pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So I guess when they let the public know certain details, they were like, well, don't rely on these moles too much because the person you like knew that's missing might not have had these before her pregnancy. Yeah, exactly. So, some molars had been extracted, and she also had fillings in her teeth. And even though she had these fillings and teeth extracted, they said it looks like she hadn't actually been to a dentist in a while because she was suffering from severe tooth decay, and one of her front incisors had a visible fracture in it that they said would have been really painful. Yeah. And one of the thoughts I had was, I wonder if she had that fracture in her tooth from fighting against whoever this was or if that or if they could tell that had been there for a while I feel like there's definitely a way to tell I just don't know which it was what they determined yeah it's just crazy like you may be thinking that these are like small like minute details that like don't really matter but if you think about it like I try to put myself in the shoes of like the family or anybody that knew her Mm -hmm. like if she I don't know, maybe the police were like, if she was talking about how she had a really bad toothache a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, and she was found like this, somebody would be like, oh, wait. Yeah. She's not here anymore, and she was talking about it. I don't know. It's just like the littlest things, I feel like, could trigger something in somebody's mind. Right. Or if you know someone who you haven't seen in a while, and you're yeah. like, oh, wow, they have a fracture in their front tooth. Yeah. Their teeth are kind of bad. Yeah. They have moles on their face. Mm-hmm. Like, like, putting all these little things together. Yeah. So, the medical examiner also noticed that there were a set of numbers written on the victim's body. This is just so strange. Yeah. On her left palm in ink, it was thought to be from a pen. They were like, oh, maybe if she wrote it herself, this shows that she's right-handed since it was on her left palm. Yeah. And written on her left palm were the letters WSR and the number 4 or 5 followed by the number four or seven. So it was kind of hard to make out, yeah. but just odd. It To me, I was almost like, is it a license plate number? I know. What is it? I know. I was trying to determine it too, and it's like, I don't know. It could have been, it could have been anything. Yeah. So the victim was fingerprinted and her teeth were recorded on a dental chart for identification purposes. And this was sent to the FBI, but matched no one in the national databases. So, it kind of went at a standstill. Yeah. She remained unidentified. A sketch was made, and the public was asked for assistance. And there were a few solid leads, but none that helped to identify her. Yeah. 
So now we're on to years after the discovery. Authorities kept the victim and her unborn daughter's body in evidence for years trying to figure out who she was. And in 1983, which was seven years after she was found, the Carbon County officials had her buried under the name of Beth Doe. And she was buried in the Lorytown Road Cemetery in Weatherly, Carbon County, Pennsylvania. And this case gained national attention due to the brutality her pregnancy, and the length of time that she remained identified. Wow. Unidentified, I'm sorry. That's insane. It's, like, seven years later. And I read somewhere that, like, the cops that were working on the case were, like, very involved and, like, they went to the burial. Yeah. Just everything. Yeah. So, in 2007, her remains were exhumed for additional forensic evidence to be collected and to create a new facial recognition or facial reconstruction in hopes to kind of, like, jumpstart things again. Mm -hmm. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children released two reconstructions, and the most recent of those two was in May of 2015. Also in 2007, isotope analysis was done, and it was believed that she had been an immigrant from Central European country, so somewhere in that area. Mm -hmm. The testing was done on her hair, her teeth, and bones, It was believed that she was probably born in Europe and moved to the United States before reaching her teens. I don't know how the fuck that is even... Like, how can you even come up with that? That's so in detail and insane. Yeah, I was kind of reading up on isotope analysis a little bit because I was like, wait, how do they go about doing this? And from your bone, hair, teeth, like they said, they're literally able to trace back, like where you had been through stuff that is in wow. in that. That's so crazy yeah. and so cool. Yeah. Like, let's say you lived over in England for 10 years or something. They'll be able to see in these, I don't know if they're considered follicles, particles, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm not a scientist. They're able to see in this different things that you've picked up in the air in the That's soil so cool. things you've eaten yeah i just for some for her body to be exhumed and have all this done like there had to be a very determined detective or cop that like mm-hmm. was like we need to figure this out and thank god for them because it never would have if they didn't exhume her body yeah i i had read i don't think we included it in here i had read that from the time that she, her body was found until 2021 now there literally had been like over a hundred cops dedicated yeah. to her case throughout the years that's insane yeah and amazing yeah so the initial exam indicated indicated that she may have originally been from like serbia or croatia um she lived in the u.s for about five to ten years and most likely had lived in like tennessee or, ne- or a nearby state that's what the isotope analysis came out with mm-hmm um, it also said that the child had gestated while the victim was in the southeastern part of the United States. States. Wow. That's so cool that they can come up with all like, that. Like, narrow it down like that. Yeah. And even from the baby, like, the unborn fetus, they were able to tell these things because of like where the things it was. That, yeah, because of how it developed through her. Like, yeah. that's insane. So crazy. After the exhumation in 2007, state police held a graveside service for the woman and her child, um, and troopers acted as the pallbearers for that. Oh my god, that makes me want to cry. I know. Twelve missing women had been ruled out over the years, so they kind of went through and ruled out all of these women. I'm just going to mention them. Who most of them, if not all of them, are still missing. Yeah. So. Um, and the first one is Anastia Spinitskas of Australia. Iris Brown of Vermont, Valerie Cuccia of New York, Teresa Fitton of Florida, Trenny Gibson of Tennessee, Rory Kessinger of Massachusetts, Anna Leatherwood of Tennessee, um, Georgia Nolan of Kentucky, Sherry Roach of California, Mary Robinson of New York, Patricia Sealbaugh of Pennsylvania, and Denise Sheehy. Sheehy of New York. Mm. In 2019, the police were considering that the victim had been a runaway foster child who was last known to be in New York, and the person they thought she could have been 
was actually later located and she was alive. Thank so God. That went out the window, yeah. yeah. I mean, not thank God that they didn't connect her, like, figure out who she was, but yeah. thank God that person was alive. Yeah, thank God. So, moving on to identification, which in a little bit you will know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so, familial DNA led investigators to a Louise Cologne Jr., which was turned out, which had turned out to be Beth Doe's nephew or cousin. There's deferring info depending on the articles I read. Yeah, most of them ended up saying that it was his her, her nephew. nephew. Yeah. yeah. So we'll go with nephew, but we have a quote that says cousin. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here's a quote from the Morning Call article that's going to be in our uh, resources. Quote. Forensic genealogy, the investigative practice of entering crime scene DNA into public databases of genetic information, led police to Cologne's cousin in 2020. So, Luis Cologne Jr. actually submitted his DNA to several genealogy sites, 23andMe.com and FamilyTreeDNA.com, in hopes to find his aunt, and he also messaged people on Facebook looking for her. He literally, and even his family says it, like, he's the hero of this case. Oh, my God. Look at my arm. I know. I have the chills, too. Ugh. Like, if it wasn't for him being so, like, proactive about putting his DNA out there mm-hmm. and, like, trying to find her, this he would have, she would have never been found. Everyone out there, go and do these sites. Do 23andMe. Yeah, do 23andMe. Do family tree, do whatever else. I know. Do it. That's insane. Yeah. So, he put police in touch with her brother once they got in contact with him and was like, oh, you're related to this person that we're wondering about. Yeah. So, March 31st, 2021, it was officially announced that after 44 fucking years... Insane. The victim had been identified as 15-year-old Evelyn Cologne of Jersey City, New Jersey. Holy shit. I am so glad she was identified. 44 years. Yeah. So, Beth Doe has now become Evelyn Cologne. She wow. is officially identified. Wow. Evelyn was born April 17th, 1961, and she would have turned 60 in April of this year. That's insane. She actually was Puerto Rican, so they were a little bit off with They bounced all over the things. place. It was Caucasian, then Croatia, yeah. then Serbia. Yeah. <laughs> but but this, um, I had actually, I don't know why I didn't include it in here. I think I had heard it or read it in the past that certain things with, like, them... Like, at one point, they mentioned, oh, maybe she was close to Tennessee for a mm-hmm. little while. Certain things did make sense with how her family moved oh. around, but, okay. yeah. I mean, that's they not tried. really the important yeah. stuff, you know? it's really not. So, the sign on her gravesite was changed from Beth Doe to Evelyn Cologne after she was identified. Oh, that must have been such an awesome day for yeah. so many people. Yeah. So, here's a little bit of the truth that has come out since then with what led up to her disappearance. Yeah. Cologne's family gave police Louise Sierra's name. And a random side note that Evelyn Cologne was one of five siblings. So, Evelyn Cologne was dating 19-year-old Louise Sierra at the time of her murder. And due to her pregnancy... Her parents had allowed her to recently move into an apartment with Sierra. Mm -hmm. Sierra had previously been the Cologne's next-door neighbor, so they knew him. Yeah. And then the two began dating. She got pregnant. So they, they, like, knew of him before all of this. Yeah. It's not like she just left. Yeah. A quote from Miriam Cologne Veltman, which was Evelyn's niece, quote, back then, things were a little different. It was a different culture, a different time in the 70s. You get your girlfriend pregnant, you move out, and that's how it was. That's Which so true. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So one day, Evelyn reached out to her mom saying she was not feeling well and asked her to bring her some soup over to her apartment. Mm-hmm. And the mom got to the apartment and no one was there. And neighbors, I don't know when, but at some point, neighbors told the Colognes that Evelyn and Sierra had moved away. That's so... so I don't know where they got that information from, but... 
And that's so, like, random and, like, out of the blue. Yeah. I'm assuming he told them, oh, we're moving away. Yeah. You know? So, one family member said that Sierra was abusive and kept her locked inside the apartment. And Evelyn had even told her mother at some point that she was afraid of her boyfriend and if anything happened, he was likely involved. So. That's never a good sign. No. Not at all. I feel like that's come up a couple times in cases where it's like, if anything happens to me, it's this person's fault. Right. Which you should, you never, should never be thinking that. No. About anybody in yeah. your life. Yeah. That's scary. That's very scary. So now we're on to January of 1977. Um, the Cologne family got a letter that was written in Spanish and it was from Sierra stamped from Connecticut. The letter said that Evelyn had given birth to a nine pound boy named Louise and not to worry. And she would contact them if they need, if she needed anything. I have lots of feelings about this. That pisses me off. First of all, you're accurate with the weight of your child, pretty much. Pretty much. Because it was a full-term baby. But if he did allegedly, right, I have to yeah. say that. Yeah. If he did allegedly do something to her and the baby... He would have known the baby was a girl, and he's intentionally saying it's a boy, it a boy and is naming it after himself. That is so disgusting. This, like, he's giving himself that I mean, gratification. If, if the murder of your girlfriend and child, allegedly, isn't enough, and the dismemberment of them isn't enough, and cutting her breasts and her nose and her ears off isn't enough... You're then going to give the baby a different gender and name it after you, and you murdered it. Disgusting. That's so freaking disgusting. I hate him. Um, yeah. So, rant over. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it's crazy to hear, like, things like this even happening. Like, how are humans even capable of something like this? Evelyn was initially not reported missing by her family because they thought that she was safe with Sierra, like we had mentioned. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't on their radar. So, after a few years with no contact, they attempted to report her disappearance, but because of the letter, the police refused to file a report. They were like, she's clearly gone. This is what happened. We're not reporting her missing. Which, which hopefully by now, from the 70s till now, things have changed with that, and a letter wouldn't just... Make police be like, okay, she's fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, Evelyn's parents actually died before she was officially identified, which to have to go to death, like to die without knowing is, they know. That also makes me sick. Yeah, Yeah, they know in the afterlife, but still. We'd mentioned her mom a few times already, but her mother's name was Ariella Torres, and she she whispered, quote, find Evelyn before she died in 2000. So she knew something was wrong. Oh, God. I know. Luis Sierra is being charged with the murder of Evelyn. Police have not yet revealed if he has confessed to the crime, so he allegedly murdered her. Mm. Allegedly. Let's <laughs> just keep saying that. Right? He was arrested March 31st of 2021, which was the same day that her identification was officially announced. So basically they were like, we're saying who she yeah. is jumping on it. Right. Like, you are coming with us. Mm -hmm. When arrested, he was residing in the Ozone, in Ozone Park, New York, and he was 63 years old. He initially denied knowing Evelyn Cologne, but eventually admitted that they dated, uh, and she was pregnant with his child. This fucking man. (laughs) How do you just change your story, though? Like, oh, I don't know her, but then it got to, like, oh, yeah, I was dating her, and I had her child. And I'm sure they could have proven that his (gasps) DNA was part of that child. Yeah. I don't know what he was trying to accomplish. And not never mind the fact that her parents received a fucking letter from him saying they were, like, yeah. leaving together or whatever. I just find it so crazy that, like, these people... I think it's hysterical and, like, I love it that these people, years later, like, their life pretty much goes by and then it comes back, like, years later and, like, bites them in the mm-hmm. ass and they finally get what they deserve for allegedly murdering I mean, it's sad that this person, if he did do this, has yeah. been living in the outside world right, scot-free right. for 44 years, but, but at the same time, he probably thought he, he was, was getting done. away with it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, he told the police that Evelyn threatened to leave him, and he did not find her home one day, and he assumed she went to go live with her mother. And then sent her family a letter. Yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> 
Um, he was extradited back to Pennsylvania, and he first appeared in court on April 28th of 2021. So literally, like, a month ago. Yeah. So recent. Mm-hmm. That's why we wanted to do this one. Mm-hmm. According to an April 14th article, he's being charged with one count of homicide in the murder of Evelyn Cologne. According to an article from The Morning Call, quote, Carbon County District Attorney Michael Greek said 1976 law did not allow for homicide charges when the victim was an unborn child, but prosecutors are still researching to determine if other crimes might apply, end quote. Okay. I don't really understand that. But even though the law in 1976 when it happened was that, mm-hmm. why does it apply to him now? Yeah, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand why that can't change when you're now, he's now allegedly, mm-hmm. possibly done this, charge him with laws now. Yeah. Well... The good news is he's being held without bail currently. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, the family have has no pictures of Evelyn because they were lost in a fire in 1975. <sighs> the family like lost all of their possessions, which is horrible. Um, her grandmother described her as the most beautiful girl in the family with hazel green eyes and light skin with long, dark hair. Mm. Which explains why they may have misidentified her as Caucasian at first. Right. But, it's just, I love that She just have so different, cute. had different features. Yeah. Aw. It makes me so sad, though. I'm just happy that she was found, but, like, the fact that her family had to go through years and years of her believing that she was, like, alive and well, and then, like, randomly getting this call that she had been brutally murdered mm-hmm. in a horrific way. And they had no idea for and that the, and all that these years. And the baby years. was dead as well. Yeah. And they so thought that he awful. was, like, alive and well. Yeah. Well, he being a girl anyway. Yeah. Which is horrible. Disgusting. So, as always, we tried to end things with a little bit of happy, and this is a happy kind of, because yeah. this case was a pretty brutal one. Yeah. So, obviously, her identification is a happy thing. Yeah. Evelyn Cologne is who this woman was. Yeah, she is Beth Doe. Right. And Cologne's family started a GoFundMe to raise money for a memorial service. Currently, they are at $11,000, or $11,000, I'm sorry, $670 of the $15,000 goal. So, anyone listening who wants to donate a little bit of money to them, go for it, because I'm sure they would appreciate any amount of money. Yeah. And the fundraiser says that her baby was a girl, as we mentioned, and the family named her Emily Grace Cologne, which I is love that. so cute. I read that her, I think it was her cousin, said that they decided on that name because Emily was, like, a name that she had mentioned or that they thought that she would like for Aww. a girl. And Grace was because her body and her and her daughter were found by the grace of God. Oh my god, that's beautiful I know. in a really horrific like in a really really sad way. Yeah. So they are trying to raise money through this GoFundMe for a new headstone with her name and her daughter's name on it. Ugh. So please donate. <laughs> and they are also trying to connect with the person that found her body in the suitcases, Kenneth Jumper Jr. So if anyone knows Kenneth Jumper Jr., remember this was in the PA area. He was a teenager at the time. Yeah, hopefully he's still around these parts and still living. Yeah. They really, really want to reconnect with him. Yeah. Probably to let him know that she was identified. and Because yeah. that, that was probably so traumatic yeah. for him. Yeah. To come across that and, like, oh, yeah. God. So. That's insane. So, any information regarding this case, you can actually call the tip line at 8007, sorry, <laughs> and that's um in a different way to say it is 800 4pa tips and you can mention the reference number of 1956 so call that number if you have any information regarding this case we'll post that number as well as the gofundme link obviously like we do for every case yeah we could also put it in our show note show notes for you guys and uh 
So you can visually see it as always because yeah. hearing it on a podcast isn't always the very hard, <laughs> the easiest way. So that's the end of Beth Doe, aka Evelyn Cologne. Yeah, this was a really crazy case. Like I, I just. The whole thing for me that was the craziest is, like, her family literally had no idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, they knew something was off, but, like, not to the extent of what happened. Well, it's interesting because I, whatever I hear cases like this where there's Jane Doe's, Beth Doe's, Princess Doe's, mm-hmm. however they name them, I'm always like, how does not one person see this and be like, oh my god, that's my person? I know. Thing, you know. They said that they had never heard of the Beth Doe case, her family. Yeah, I feel like that's what it comes down to. And with this case, like, exposure, yeah. number one. And number two, this was an eye-opener for me that there might be tons of cases out there like this one where the family did try to report it, and because of something, it was never even put on record. Ne- a police report was never filed. Yeah. Like. This one, maybe the connection would have been made sooner if there was a police... If, like, a police report was filed after they reported it. Yeah. But it was kind of ruled out because of that letter. Which is, like, how many out there are there out there that are like that? I don't know. Hopefully not a lot because it took 44 years to her for her to be identified. Yeah. And that's just horrific. Yeah. Almost, I feel like, and I don't want to speak for the family, but I feel like it was almost, like, not better that they didn't know, but, like, they went on 44 years thinking that she was happy and healthy with her baby. Possibly. But then again, it's like, you Possibly. don't know. Possibly. But if they also thought, if she had mentioned, oh my god, if something happens to me, he did it, or he's yeah. abusive, they could have been worried that Worried that something did happen to her that whole time, or yeah. that he was, like keeping her captive or something somewhere. Yeah. But I don't know. I just, there's a lot of interesting, sorry, I just had a bug fly in my face. There was a (laughs) lot of interesting ones around PA and New Jersey area that will come up while researching this. And I know recently the Princess Doe one in Blairstown, New Jersey, they, um, they like raised money recently to try to do, like, a DNA-type thing with that case as well. Yeah. I feel like there's definitely more does being identified lately. Because of the technology. Yeah. 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 Which is amazing that Because of, like, ancestry that. stuff and people submitting their DNA and yeah. connections being made. Like, look at Golden State Killer. Yeah. He was identified because of the same type of thing. Yeah. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Let us know if you enjoyed listening to this case, if you thought it was interesting, if you want to hear more like this, um, just let us know. Should we talk about our merchandise? Okay. Yeah. So, we have some stuff coming for you guys. It's really exciting. Really excited. (laughs) As we mentioned a couple episodes ago, we were trying to figure out something for spring, summer kind of weather, and... Hopefully, by the time this episode comes out, either it'll be up or, or very soon. Up. Yeah. Yeah. We're just waiting on some last minute details and but all that. Everything has been ordered. Yeah. We're very excited. We were like, how are we not going to keep all of this stuff? <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's at least two things I'm going to at buy. At least yeah. two. That yeah. I'm gonna, and yeah. to start out, we're, we're kind of testing the waters a little bit. Mm-hmm. So. Fingers crossed, we run out quickly. And, we'll and just if we buy do, more. we can order more. Yeah. We kind of want to see what you guys like, what you're into, what you're not into. We're really pumped about this stuff. Yeah. Though. I'm Super excited. Super excited. <laughs> yeah. And on that note. Yeah. All right. So we actually have a listener story today, which we haven't had in a little while. She wanted to remain anonymous for this story, which is totally fine. So she actually wrote it down for us to read. Yeah, so sweet. Bryn's going to read it in a second, but she is a listener of our podcast. And for anyone out there that doesn't want to come on and, like, talk, you could do the same thing. You can write something down and we can just read it. And you don't even have to be known. You could be anonymous. Yeah. So I'm very excited to read this one. Good. Um... 
I'm going to try to read it as best as I can how she wrote it. Sorry if I (laughs) slip up a little on words. (laughs) That's just us. All right. So, here we go. Growing up, I always knew I was different. I had the unusual ability to control the energy around me, to give, to take, and block the energy around me. I started young, taking all of my bio father's wrath to keep my mother and sister safe. Around the same time, I started seeing spirits. Oh, God. I already have the chills. <laughs> I really do. Same. My arms are Ooh. like, look at that hair standing up. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> this had me questioning my sanity. Spent hours trying to recreate events to debunk them. I am a firm believer in science. However, I tried. I could never find a logical explanation. I kept these a secret from my mom. A single mother, barely treading water. She had enough to deal with. She did not need to hear her daughter saw things. Oh my gosh. My main story began at our last home we rented before moving to the States. It was a nice duplex house, a mansion compared to what we were used to. Nice hardwood floors and a rather unusual staircase. It was a spiral but broke off into into segments. The first floor of the house felt warm and inviting, but once you got to the staircase, the energy felt heavy, like it had a static charge. No one else felt odd, so I tried to push past it. I shared a room with my sister. She had a habit of crawling into bed with me. The first night, I felt the foot of my bed sink down, like an adult sat down. I opened my eyes, expecting to see mom or my sister. No one was there, but a haze at the foot of the bed. I gasped and pulled the blanket, trying to cover my head, but something was weighing it down. The haze lazily moved from my bed and went out the door. Heavy footsteps walked on the hardwood floor and went down the stairs. Thud, thud, thud. They They sounded like someone wearing boots. Thud, thud, thud. Till the bottom of the stairs, then they stopped. What the fuck? (laughs) I covered my mouth, afraid my hyperventilating would wake my sister. I began to see images of a man in my mind after that night. He called himself, quote, fallen one. Yeah. I don't know if I like that. (laughs) He was the most handsome man I have ever seen. He was tall, dark, wavy hair, square jaw. Everything about him was perfect. From his wicked smile to his piercing eyes, they felt like they looked through you. Nothing could keep him out, no matter how hard I tried to block him. For years, it was just the mist slash footsteps and the quick flashes in my mind of him. Mom said we were moving to the States. I was beyond excited, hoping to be done with this man. Once we moved to the States and settled into our house, I was hopeful for a fresh start. The new home felt eerie. It was an older house built in the early 1900s. It had three bedrooms and an attic door between my room and my sister's. The attic door felt like it had a heartbeat. I avoided it at all costs. This house had all... Hardwood floors as well. The first month was perfect. Till he found me. Oh my god. I had a picture frame on my wall across the room from my bed. I heard a scratching one night. (laughs) Uh, The amount of times I've had chills this already. (laughs) It's like scary. Yeah, this is terrifying. The frame swaying slightly on the wall. I thought it was just from a heavy truck driving by and tried to go back to bed. So she's like trying to rationalize, you know. Mm My frame was launched off of the wall and landed next to my bed. I shot up, scared to death. He was there. His piercing eyes looked on, locked on me, his mouth in a scowl. His frame blocked the door. I couldn't scream. I couldn't move. I could only think he found me. I closed my eyes, praying to whomever would listen. Make him go away. Thud, thud, thud. He was coming towards me, praying even more frantically. Thud, thud, thud. He's getting closer. The hair on my arms was standing up from the charge in the air. Leave me alone. Leave me alone, I kept saying in my head. My mouth and limbs still wouldn't cooperate. There was silence. I waited, listening for more footsteps. Nothing. I opened my eyes. He was there, looking over me. I panicked, bawling my fists, trying to move. Somehow thought pulling a blanket over my head was going to save me. As as does everyone, right? Right? (laughs) He made an indescribable noise. It sounded like a growl, but not natural. His piercing eyes met mine. They were filled with hate. They were filled with such rage, it made me feel physically ill. He was never human. This was not natural. I have never felt so hopeless. I was never a religious person, but I prayed till I had a headache. What the fuck? Isn't that terrifying? Oh my god. He grabbed my wrist. (gasps) 
It felt like ice and static electricity, millions of pins and needles. It began to burn, then he disappeared. I heard him in the attic pacing, thud, thud, thud. I was able to move again, grabbed my blanket, and covered myself. I ugly cried for the rest of the night. Oh my god. In the morning, I saw the scratches on my arm where he grabbed me. To this day, this entity still is attached to me. My children are able to see him as well. What <laughs> the fuck? And that is the end of her story. And she said she has plenty more. Can somebody help her get him away? Because, <laughs> like, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. I mean, between the growl and then the way she said not she felt human. completely hopeless, like, staring at him, not human at all. And I feel like he... Something like that would present themselves as first, like, the perfect Like, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's a trick. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's actually fucking terrifying. Yeah. I am so sorry that he is with you. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah. I feel like... Her children... Sage Sage needs to be done, and something needs to happen to get this thing away. Some someone needs to come and help. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much yeah. to our anonymous listener though for sharing this with us, feeling comfortable to share this with our podcast because this is yeah. something that must be terrifying to share. Right. And I don't blame you for wanting to be anonymous. Like that is totally fine. And wow. I just thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah. So Woo! please share more because yeah. we want to know more. I want to know like, to this day, he's still attached to her. What else is happening? I know. And, like, her kids and, oh, my God. Yeah, like, what have they seen with him or experienced with him? Wow. That's terrifying. Send in your Not even him, story. it. I know. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> thing. Yeah. I feel, like, nauseous even thinking about Me too. an entity. Me too. Because you can't get rid of them and they're scary. Well, you can't get rid of them. But they're, like, terrifying. Yeah. Ugh. She needs, like, a permanent vial of holy water around her neck. Right? Just spraying it yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. Well. All right. On that note. That's the end of this episode. Send in the rest of, or any of your listener stories. Yeah, we, we really, hear everything. really enjoy reading them. Yeah. And we hope you enjoy listening to them. Yes. And until next time. Bye, guys. See ya. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook